0: love truth and you're now listening to beyond the veil on interlightradio.com where we go beyond the surface level of reality and dive deep to reveal hidden truths and exciting revelations thank you so much for joining us here again uh this is January f- or January 1st of 2019 wow it's it's this is mind-blowing still I think my part of my brain is still back in 2018. What a year it was, my goodness, if I had to go over all the n- crazy, scandalous news stories of things that were going down with the church and all the pedophilia stuff that was coming on, obviously we're not going to go too much into trump line crap, we didn't want to talk too much about him, but 2018 was an was intense, intense year for many people on so many different levels, like emotionally, you know, spiritually, we dealt with a lot of things with relationships, You know, obviously things in politics, you know, things going down with different religions. Like, we really got tested to the max in 2018, and I think it was all with good reason. Because now in 2019, we can really start to shine and, you know, be more ourselves authentically and step more into our purpose. Like, 2019, it's a year to, like, start rocking it out. So, going into that a little bit deeper, you know, we're still facing a lot of important questions and uh, situations that we have to face as a collective. Like, number one, you know, we still have to talk about climate change. We still have to talk about how we're going to adapt to that, how we're going to feed ourselves, how we're going to survive as a civilization in a world that is growing to be more and more dangerous on on so many levels. So we got that. We got politi- uh, pol- political stuff going on. We have economic stuff going on. So as we proceed into 2019 and beyond, you know, we really got to start thinking about how we're going to start solving these issues so that we can continue comfortably, you know, in this reality and still be able to be who we want to be, achieve our dreams, and live out our life purpose. So today's show, we're going to be talking about permaculture. And how it is, I guess, supposed to help us navigate this reality with more ease and help us to solve these problems. Clearly, the culture that we're living, you know, in many different sections on this planet is is toxic. And not only harms us, but harms, you know, the planet. And it's clear that in ancient uh, you know, past with our ancestors going from Africa to places in South America, Mexico, these different areas. They had civilizations like the ancient Aztec uh, civilization. There, was, there were civilizations in Egypt that, you know, were living in such a way where they were able to maintain, like, a pretty good level of abundance for all people and not harm the planet. And, you know, that wisdom was passed down to some degree and still maintains itself in different areas of the world till this day so today we're gonna revisit uh, some of the ideas that come from some of these cultures and see if we can bridge the gap and start implementing these things in our current culture and perhaps start to shift it you know with merging it with these older ideas and then maybe create something new so I welcome on to the show Spirit Pilkington
1: thanks very much for having me Khadija
0: so first we have to like unpack uh what permaculture is because like Mm -hmm. in today's world a lot of people who've heard this term associate it with just farming and Mm -hmm. food but from what i understand the community where you come from they associate permaculture with more than just food and farming Mm -hmm. so let's start off with that like so Let's start off with first re- revisiting the concept of what people understand permaculture is right now mm-hmm. and then dive into what your concept or your community's concept of what permaculture is. Sure.
1: So uh, first of all, I just want to say that um, essentially my knowledge of permaculture uh, comes to me by the grace of my elders and teachers. And I have to give a special acknowledgement uh, to Chief Coker uh, of the Modern Village here in Ontario, Canada, uh, for really um, introducing me to a lot of these topics and being uh, just an incredible uh, resource and powerhouse uh, and and source of wisdom and just a great example. Um, so f- to kind of go to your question, what permaculture is, it sort of depends on what you want to do with it. Uh, permaculture is a design methodology. It is a way of designing systems, cultures and even lives to, to create a lifestyle that is more in harmony with the earth. It is looking at African and indigenous methodologies and saying, how is it that we can adapt uh, what we've been told by people who have coexisted for thousands of years uh, to our current circumstances using a kind of, um, you know, modern way.
0: So who who created the term... Permaculture, how did this become a thing
1: mm-hmm. uh, well, the whole history uh, you can definitely find out about on the internet or in books, but a, a nut- permaculture in a nutshell uh, was uh, was an, a term that was coined by a fellow uh, bill mollison and, uh, and his colleague H- uh, Holmgren, who basically uh, they spent enough time working with Aboriginal people. Uh, different uh, Aboriginal uh, peoples in Africa uh, uh, sorry in Australia and so he he uh, was able to turn and apply his uh, general tradesmanship and and kind of he was a kind of a jack-of-all-trades he had done very many different um, different works and so he took their their stories methodologies their way of creating and, and sustaining their society and he said this is the way to do it this is the way that it's based on observation it's based on looking at nature and saying let's copy what nature does exceedingly well and apply those principles to our current way so permaculture is a set of design principles it's not it's not just a toolkit it's not just something that you can go in uh and and learn a permaculture technique that's the level it stays at for for um an unfortunate number of people it stays at okay we can do uh different techniques for farming like you say or for food production permaculture is so much more than that when it's applied correctly and when it's applied with real acknowledgement of where it comes from and what it's based on
0: so basically You know besides this gentleman in Australia that was working with the indigenous Aboriginal people and getting this knowledge there must have still been other people on other parts of the of the planet that were already doing permaculture in their own way without realizing that it you know was permaculture
1: absolutely I would uh, entirely agree with that permaculture is the oldest thing on the planet because people have been practicing it without calling it that from time you know there are uh people even who are nomadic who are not directly tied to one land in the way that we would usually think of a people existing for for centuries or millennia we usually think of people who uh exist for centuries and millennia as a single culture that you know it may be involved it evolved within the boundaries of its own country or of its own region or its own locality that's not necessarily true and so we would look at um things that we can learn from all different kinds of people, whether they're nomadic or whether they're directly tied to land and they built pyramids uh, such as the Aztecs and the Egyptians or whether they simply coexisted in in a more simple way like the current people of Papua New Guinea. They haven't really changed the way they do things to match our modern way. It just doesn't work for them. They would prefer or or they're just, I don't know if they would prefer, but they they are continuing to to live that way of life to this very day. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, what is the relationship, if there is any, and I think there is obviously, between permaculture and sustainability?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, I think that sustainability is a term that um, many of us who are concerned about what's going on with climate change uh, are accustomed to using. We find it even on packaging. It's, uh, I, I think that with permaculture we're starting to see that sustainability was kind of one of those terms that was greenwashed like greenwashed itself or you know making things green making things natural so to speak or come from natural sources this was a way of deceiving people into saying okay because it's made out of corn it's good for you uh, even though it's high fructose glucose corn syrup right and we I think we all kind of know that that's not that's not, not the best place to get sugar anymore um, and so it's it was just done very cheaply, like margarine. Margarine used to be something that we would only feed to livestock. We would yeah. never feed that to people <laughs> gross you know and and so we we would look at um sustainability as saying, okay, instead of taking it from you know the worst possible sources, now we're taking it from slightly less bad sources, uh, such as you know we're cutting down trees we oh we can replant the trees so it 's sustainable. That's not permaculture. You know, cutting down trees unnecessarily is not permaculture. you You can work more closely individually observing every single living object in a forest and say, "Okay, we can tweak this, we can tweak that, we can move things along if something is kind of stuck in an evolutionary uh, uh, I don't know the right word, but just not not moving forward because it's uh, too resilient, you could say then you know we can make changes to introduce softly introduce things that will force it to continue to evolve and get stronger. And these things apply not just to forests but also to immune systems. Any any ecosystem can be thought of as sustainable or it can be thought of to go even further than sustainable. To go further than sustainable means that you're looking at regenerating. You're looking at building resiliency back into systems that don't have nearly enough
0: yeah it's true Because sustainability is just sustaining it's just maintaining as it is but you're saying that uh permaculture introduces ideas and some some of them are old ideas of not only just sustaining and maintaining but regenerating and bettering the object that you're using the resource that you're using
1: and it's the saying i would say in the modern village um and i'll get to modern village maybe a little bit later on but That we never leave a room worse off than how we found it. We always leave it better than we have found it. And a kind of a joke is that if you leave us in a room long enough, we'll paint it. You know, it gets to that level where we really want to make sure that our spaces, our soil, our water are all better off because of us having existed. Instead of simply saying, well, we're not damaging it anymore and that's enough permaculture goes further into saying we need to fix the damage that we've done if we're going to have a long-term system you cannot sustain an overextension of nature if you do you're simply still leading yourself to destruction we need to gracefully descend in the amount of energy that we're using chief cooker even talks about this concept of a slow energy movement moving to a slower pace Of how much energy we spend to achieve our current goals and you know looking at our goals even healthy to begin with
0: even that idea makes me start thinking about you know this comment about pace because of the technological innovations that we've you know gotten our hands on because these technologies are able to move so fast it seems that for some reason humans are also trying to move just as fast or just faster to catch up with it and then it's like, yeah, maybe that's not such, such a good thing for our health. Mm-hmm. But going back in, into sustainability and all these things, you know, the whole term eco-friendly popped up in my head, too, and how that fits into the mix. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you say they greenwashed this term, like, uh, you know, sustainable or it's, it's whatever, and in your opinion has the same thing also happened with this eco-friendly term Mm -hmm. because you see that on products and labels in the mm -hmm. back where it's like oh eco-friendly this or whatever it's it's renewable or whatever Mm -hmm. all these different kinds of terms yeah
1: yeah that's a really good question too um i'd say that you know i still do buy products that are um you know eco-friendly or labeled even as sustainable I think that it's not a step in the wrong direction. I just doesn't I just don't think it's a it's a big enough step. And so to me
0: or at least not the end. It it's shouldn't not be the end. end.
1: Right. And so to me the only solution that I'm going to really support is the best one. It's the best design. It's looking at a permaculture solution and and to me that means that you know it's Okay, great. It's not made out of trees. It's made of bamboo or it's made out of hemp. Let's make sure that it's organic hemp. Let's make sure that it's non GMO. Let's make sure that the farmers who cultivate it are well fed and and that the trade is just. Uh, Hopefully, better than fair trade. You know, hopefully.
0: This is the term my brain was trying to remember. Yes, fair trade.
1: Yeah, I think fair trade is for sure a good thing. It means that farmers and producers and artisans in other countries are being paid comparable or closer to comparable wages. But again, without digging into it, without finding out more, we simply remain unconscious consumers. I think that's something that you wanted to uh, really start um, kind of pushing. Can you? Yes. You want to talk about
0: that? 100%. Well, I don't know. My, my I don't want to deviate too much from the, the subject matter, but my concept of conscious consumerism is realizing that we vote for the world that we want with our dollars mm. and how what we spend on. So I was trying to encourage people to spend more consciously by doing the research, researching, you know, who's selling it, who's manufacturing it. Like you say, if they're taking care of the environment the people, and such and such, whatever. Mm-hmm. Going into all those angles and aspects. That is a whole other beast of a conversation onto itself that I'm definitely going to have in <laughs> in uh, in in episodes coming up this year, for sure, 100%. But, um, yeah, I think that's definitely something we all need to encourage is conscious consumerism. Uh, going back into sustainability and uh this intersection that we're at and in going into permaculture. What I like about um, permaculture is the idea that like, there's room for innovation. It seems like from the perspective that you gave on sustainability, it just seems like mundane and mediocre. Like, okay, you're sustaining it. It's like, now what? Mm. It just seems kind of boring. Mm. But, it yeah, it seems that permaculture gives more room for innovation. Mm-hmm. and change and evolution where it, it seems like impossible for for it to stay boring and just stay the same like it's going to keep growing mm. which is cool because if you look at nature or you observe nature nature doesn't only just conserve and maintain and sustain it also evolves and it changes there's mm-hmm. new species growing the species are evolving and changing so nature itself is naturally innovating so mm-hmm. it seems like we should be doing the same thing if you want to stay in harmony with that flow Um, so permaculture, this guy, Mr. Mullen,
1: or Mollison from
0: Australia, popularized it. I guess, I don't know if you would know this, but how did it get to become so popular in the United States or in North America? Mm Because it seems like there's all these organizations now popping up all over the place, people trying to practice permaculture, learning about it, taking courses, learning from that guy's body of work. What was it that happened if there is an event or something to make it become this big thing in North America? Hmm. Uh,
1: you probably have to ask a sociologist to really get a full uh, answer to all the different things that, about it that made it sticky. I think there's probably three main things. The the first thing being that for... uh, Well, and we'll, we can talk a little bit more about, you know, um, how western uh, communications and all that stuff is more predominant sometimes than ideas told by other people people of color um sometimes that's all it takes is, is finding a western acceptably western person to narrate something that has existed in non-white non-western narratives for a long long Long, long time.
0: No, I would say probably longer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> way longer. And I think that's that's the main key of it. Um, that being said, there's the the other thing, which is that there already have been many different, if not parallel movements, than kind of at least near near misses, which is these these ideas of you know we should recycle more and what's compost and uh, how do I do it and and is it you know does it pay dividends? You know, a lot of people will return bottles but they won't return food to the soil and it's about looking at um, different other movements there's again near misses um, is a good good term for it the homesteading this idea of mm-hmm. li- living directly off the land I think is a near miss um, the idea of survivalism there's folks out there who are I think there's a group called preppers uh, and they prepare for the end of the world essentially um again yes, that's the
0: whole theme of bug out bags
1: yeah and and <laughs> that that too is also i think a near miss um because it does get into uh, if you notice in a lot of those bug out bags they talk about seeds and they also talk about you know i don't know if it's literal or not but a zombie apocalypse where there's people who are starved or, or desperate and and we have to uh, we have to look at uh different social scenarios Mm-hmm. Um which I think is the the third and final reason why th- this idea really blew up is because a, a lot of people are afraid and they're looking for solutions. Um I I th- I recently got uh, a bit of a heads up from some community members, actually from chief that you know they're the interest in what it is that we have to offer is growing and our uh capacity needs to be needs to maintain pace with with the demand um and uh and i think that we're ready it it, it's essentially a turnkey solution for a lot of folks a lot of folks are not sure how they fit into it Um, and you mentioned a really great word before which i wanted to touch on a little bit later as well which is the intersections so you have Obviously, you have a, a very a new and keen interest from, uh, you know, white people, from Western people, European descendant people. Where uh, are the spaces that are safe to make those more, um, you know, more safer places for people of color to come out and also have, a, a, have land access and have access to, to time and to a voice and to be able to offer solutions? Are are we really just doing this ourselves, or, or is this a global movement? And so, the idea that there's been a kind of a, a white kind of takeover of permaculture uh, is upsetting to a lot of people as well, given given its nature is African and indigenous based.
0: So, what are the solutions?
1: That's a great question. Uh, solutions is what permaculture is all about. So finding solutions means um, Sometimes it means making them sometimes it means You have a particular Even some of your listeners. I'm sure will have a particular um, Something you're really good at or something you know a lot about something you're passionate about something you just like to do with your hands These are the solutions in permaculture it comes from your heart It comes from your hands and it comes through your feet and sometimes it means putting up posters to local events where you serve food um, and bring people together. I think ultimately when you can bring folks together at a table around food, something really magical happens. Um, and that only extends in time in both directions. You're looking at where does that food come from? Maybe those same people at the same table helped grow that food in the same garden. And if you have a, a garden that is permaculture, it's diverse we value diversity we look at um, having a a great different variety of different herbs and trees and fruits and vegetables and uh, what we call pollinators which are great flowers for attracting bees and butterflies and the same counts for who we want in the garden we want everyone to have access to land and have access to fresh food and organic food and food that's grown ourselves we want people even before they get the food to get their hands in the soil it's very healthy and and it's good for things like mental health and that self-care that that piece of you know how is it that i can find an excuse to go out and breathe some fresh air and be amongst people if i don't know anyone well you can go out to the garden um you can garden with me actually here in toronto any saturday so you can check that out on our on our website which uh, I think we'll pr- probably plug in there later later on. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, you know, it's clear that, like, as people dive deeper into this kind of lifestyle, that they're developing a greater relationship with the natural world, with the planet, and then also there's opportunity there for them to connect with others in their community.
1: Yeah, I think that's the main thing. The more we're passing this knowledge between each other, the more that we're... Holding ourselves accountable for what we're able to do and how we're able to provide access to other people to do what they're able to do I think that's that's the main thing everyone has to do their part no one has to do everything
0: so we got like five minutes until we're like at the at the bottom of this hour okay uh, so in the last like five minutes I wanted to dive deeper into your experience with permaculture and how it has had an impact on your life. Like, wh- How has it transformed your life? Uh, and how did you get into it?
1: Well, I don't know if I can cover all of that in five minutes, um, but I'll give it a try. Um, so I started with Permaculture GTA, uh, an organization here in Toronto, um, in around 2009.
0: So what led you into getting into permaculture?
1: Um, well, I actually found out uh, about permaculture through a living situation. Um, so I was really um, looking to... I was already kind of looking to lower my dependency on some uh, some things that I, I found were kind of filled with problems. I was working with big corporations and actually helping them indirectly sell cars and it was kind of eating at my spirit a little bit um, and so i i said okay well i need to make some big changes and i ended up living in a in a home that actually had a permaculture garden in the backyard and i kind of discovered it through that and i ended up going to some uh, convergences and spring conferences here in the city, uh, that were put on by the organization that I now work with, um, which collectively all of the different, um, local organizations, I think collectively we're calling it the modern village. It's a way of saying all of these villages are connected and yet also local. Um, so I found the local, uh, community, which is, and still is, uh, Permaculture GTA. And they were having a convergence. So I went to the convergence, which is at, uh, I think at that time, it was at Witchwood Barns there on St. Clair. And it's a great little venue. If you've never been there, it's essentially an old barn that was converted, and they added on to it and modernized it. Uh, It kind of speaks a lot to what permaculture is in and of itself.
0: And the term modern village. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: And they had a wood-fired oven for different meals that they were making. And this convergence uh they there was different workshops so they had different speakers in um i remember one uh, workshop was about bees and uh, that was very very interesting and then there was uh as is uh, traditional in our um conferences well especially in the fall conference there's an unconference piece which was quite interesting where people were really allowed a free flow and an equal space of, of Unthinking. So just whatever happened to come uh, forward uh, was what was going to come forward. And what actually ended up happening is there was an offer of space and then uh, a, a big plan was hatched from that. Uh, and also um, there was a, a permaculture design course that was put on. And I uh, think it took about six months to put together after that, but I ended up attending that as well. And that's where I got my Uh, design certification essentially Um, and so you know I kind of fell into it because I was very lucky I I, I was just more or less putting the right energy out and it found me Uh, and I've since uh, you know been able to work alongside and in other organizations um, that are uh, doing similar work and we've got some incredible uh, friends here in the city who you know continue to this day to do the good work and tend to share space and to share resources with us. So, yeah, so far I think we're doing pretty good, and uh, and I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, in my fourth year of the Leadership in Action program, which is the modern village uh, way of creating leaders within uh, our local area. So, leaders are people who go from uh a state of merely observing to uh, directly interacting and participating in uh ho- hosting events or uh, just moving things forward whether it's it w- depends on your talent if you're a fundraiser you're a fundraiser if you're into marketing you can do marketing if you're uh, strictly a gardener and you don't like showing your face anywhere but you're happy to provide food then then there's uh, there's essentially room for everybody and so I kind of found my way as someone who just had a high level of energy and uh, almost no real mobility challenges or anything like that so um, I'm able to provide heart and hands uh, at all times and kind of this leadership and action program was a way of getting me out of my shell and being able to speak so
0: that sounds awesome yeah so we're gonna take a quick break here in a couple seconds When we come back from the break we're going to continue to unpack this concept which is permaculture so we will be right
2: back hey listeners if you're ready to change your life you've come to the right place my name is caleb truth and i'm your catalyst dedicated to sharing good vibes mind expanding and heart-centered information knowledge is power In this fast-paced world, it is so easy to get distracted by the matrix and miss out on connecting with the right people and information that will truly help you in living your best life. On this radio program, I save you time and energy by sharing awesome people, new discoveries, life solutions, and wisdom to help you take action and create a positive shift in your life. I invite you to join me and share in this exciting adventure. Listen to Beyond the Veil on innerlightradio.com every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Beyond the Veil, inspiring, conscious evolution.
0: All right, and we're back. This is K-Love Truth, and you're listening to Beyond the Veil on innerlightradio.com. So just to, like, refresh some of you who may just be tuning in now... On today's program, we're talking about permaculture with Spirit Pilkington. So before we went to break, we were talking about his journey into permaculture and uh, I guess the the fine details about that. Before we we dive deeper into that, I just want to remind you all that, yeah, this is a pre-recorded program. Today is January 1st. So this is my first radio program of 2019. So this is quite auspicious and I think that it's great. To start off 2019 on this amazing subject. And again, you know, we're all presented with a unique opportunity at this intersection, I guess I'll use, of human history. Where we have the opportunity to, you know, begin to shift our collective culture into one that will help to shape and create a world that works for everyone. Where we can all thrive and be happy and prosperous and peaceful and you know live up to our fullest potential Mm -hmm. and the the interesting uh and beautiful thing about permaculture it seems is that it can probably provide that so going back into uh your journey with permaculture like how has it changed you as a person
1: Mm. oh too many ways to count um I, mean, I want
0: to get deeper into the benefits, like the yeah. personal benefit of permaculture.
1: Mm. Uh, I could talk all night. I could probably just do a whole show on, on all the ways that it's uh, benefited me personally. Um, I feel every day when I wake up a sense of great satisfaction that I'm equipped with the tools uh, to make positive difference in the world thanks to permaculture i not only talking about my you know about the the, the larger world but even my own personal world you know i'm able to navigate social situations with a new sense of awareness but especially empathy you know doing this work for me has been incredible uh way of getting in touch with myself, my nature, uh, nature herself, and other people, and their natures, it's really taught me to not just slow down, but really observe and really connect with the present moment. You know, I've, I've been meditating for maybe a little longer than I've been doing permaculture, but I feel that now that i feel a deeper connection to well all things all things are ultimately interconnected doing that work directly in the soil directly with water directly with people with different perspectives and life journeys you know these things kind of all multiply it's like i can meditate sure but if i meditate in a group setting in nature you know it everything just it can really pick up an incredible momentum and and well, before I knew it, you know my like I say, my whole life has really changed in many many ways, and I can't say necessarily that all of them have gotten easier or everything is better. I won't sugarcoat things. this journey can involve a lot of ego shattering uh mind-blowing experiences that folks who really just want a kind of boring (laughs) peaceful life they're not necessarily going to see this as the quickest route to that i'd say though it's the surest route to that it's the surest route to setting up systems and and societies that work better for us that work better for us as individuals that work better for us as collective organizations so permaculture can really be used in all aspects of life whether it's starting a home business or whether it's working in a larger corporation um, you know there's there's room within community there's still room for people who have uh, you know ambition who want uh to achieve great things. There's room for for all of that in a world where we're more carefully designing and where we're basing this off nature. There's so re- let's
0: take a minute quickly and go back into like your mm. more personal journey with permaculture. In previous conversations that we've had you've mentioned how you realized that your mom was already you know, into permaculture, but you mm-hmm. hadn't realized it.
1: Hi, mom. Yeah, it's true. And if she's listening, uh, I really do have to give her a, quite a lot of the credit. Um, you know, I was, I, I had the good fortune of having a, a, a wonderful mother. And uh, it's a blessing that I'm thankful for every day.
0: And I'm also grateful I got to meet this wonderful
1: <laughs> And, you know, because of that, I was raised in a way that I didn't really separate people as much and i'm not going to say i was colorblind that's stupid but i i really didn't focus on trying to make everyone be the same as me i was more likely to accept the oddballs and the strange people and the nerds and the geeks because there's all kinds of different ways of being in this life and Valuing diversity, you know, I think it it came instantly to my mother. You know, she's a child psychologist, so she ended up working in a, a special ed capacity, special education capacity for uh, the entire province of Prince Edward Island for a while, and eventually she uh, wanted to do more work for some reason, and then ended up doing uh, running an entire department in a junior high, and uh, and you know, and worked till her retirement. And she's, she's enjoying that now. Uh, but she still does work in the community and, and intergenerational work, which is something I could probably spend a whole nother show talking about. Uh, you know, working with children, working with, uh, older folks and making sure that everyone's at the table. You know? And
0: again, I think by default, like I know my brain does this when I'm, um, in a conversation surrounding, around this topic of permaculture. My brain always goes back to, but wait a minute, but that, but that's not, That has nothing to do with food? That has nothing to do with farming? So, uh, again, I think uh, when it comes to talking about permaculture, we have to further unpack this. And in your community, like, permaculture, there's all these other orbiting concepts around this center. Mm. So, like, what are all these other, uh, I guess, areas that permaculture covers? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, there's different ways of looking at it. And there's no one central... Um, way of framing permaculture. So that's, I think, important to say right from the outset. The way I was educated probably reflects my background and reflects my current level of knowledge. And other people might understand these things differently. Um, The way that I was kind of shown uh, is to break it down into uh, care for people, care for the earth, and fair share. So dividing any profit or abundance equally between people and the earth and i kind of always looked at that as a triad kind of one would be uh, you know care for people that's setting up how you set up your community groups how you set up your neighborhood groups your churches your local government your national government care for people should be at the bottom uh, foundation of every social principle you know care for the earth equal to that it should easily be equal to that in every way how are we caring for our rivers how are we caring for our earth and fair share so that's you know looking at more of land stewardship and and community governance different things of of saying you know if we're going to do work what is it what is the value of work is it the same for people born in all different kinds of bodies if you're had different accessibility challenges if you are uh, people racialize you, or if people judge you based on your age or intelligence level or other appearance, you know, um, we would kind of look at uh, addressing some of those issues. However, all of these things, I think every single time I try and uh, break permaculture apart, it comes together again because they're always tied into each other, they're always related you know ageism and racism and different uh, types of prejudice they're all kind of deeply connected um, if you really look at it and especially if you're bringing in uh, economics and social policy and all those types of things as well they're very deeply very deeply tied together Um, but that's definitely how I would look at it and I think originally even uh, Bill Mollison the fellow I was mentioning before uh, the guy kind of coined the term he looks at it in a very similar way to the way that it's looked at I think in my community because again it's based on indigenous and and, um, aboriginal uh, concepts of saying you know we are also the earth we are also thinking breathing money exchanging animals that wear pants. (laughs) you know we're not different than the earth so we have to look at care for each other and care for the environment as essentially the same thing Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's essentially how i would kind of break it apart and i think one thing that our community does exceedingly well um maybe the best i've seen is the what we would call kind of social permaculture looking at a the isms, uh, the inclusion, the diversity, uh, looking at uh, bringing in people who are marginalized for any reason. There's many reasons to be marginalized, you know, whether maybe you have a criminal record or maybe, um, you know, you're, you you don't pass standardized intelligence tests very well. Uh, maybe, you know, who knows, right? Maybe you're in a wheelchair, these kinds of things. So, looking at uh, bringing knowledge and experience and opportunity to more people at more intersections of oppression or or even just background is very important. It's the, it's the key element. that I think that we're doing exceedingly well, and there's still a lot of work to be done.
0: Yeah, because it seems that, you know, definitely before... A lot of people on this planet aren't even able to fully participate in permaculture. Like, they gotta be able to access certain resources and be able to live in a certain way that will allow them the privilege to even do that work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, as you've... uh Discussed with me many times in conversation, especially, you know, in, in the area of racism, dealing with black people and their issues, that, like, they can't even get access or have the privilege to dive deeper into doing this kind of work because they're being blocked in so many different ways from getting basic necessities that they need to survive. Absolutely. And to feel safe in in, in, in many different uh, areas of their life, to be mm-hmm. able to participate in all these things. So, in going into that, I'm like, that's a huge... That's a huge topic to mm-hmm. go into. Like, oh my goodness! Even like the producer, the co-producer of this show, InternetRadio.com, uh, we've talked about these uh, con- uh, these issues many, many times, and it's it's really deep and it's really difficult to have. But let's try and have that conversation for a couple minutes here. So, dealing with racism and permaculture, like mm. black people have been suffering and continue to suffer in many different cities across this planet. And there have been some improvements and, you know, I'm not going to completely, you know, throw underneath all that underneath the bus, all the progress that, you know, Martin Luther King and all these other brothers made, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So in your community, what are like the top issues of concern around like racism and especially dealing with like African-American or Canadian or wherever they are, or dealing with mm. black people in general? Mm. What are the key issues?
1: Well you, you you raise a lot of really interesting points. Um it's hard to know where to start. I feel that I again have to give an acknowledgement here to my mentor, uh, Chief Coker, uh of the Modern Village, um, reachable on Twitter at our Chief Coker to find some words that come directly from them. Um I I'm still very new to conversations about Racism, however, they're amongst I think my most the the work that's most important that's on my plate. Um, As a white male who has been given the privilege of of learning about permaculture as opposed to having experienced it, some of these topics, I know I don't really uh, I can't really speak to what racism is in permaculture from a lived experience all I can really talk about is what I've seen and so um, some of that comes into I I think in the most important ways where it intersects other oppressions racism itself is such a terrible thing and yet when you add on other intersections of oppression such as accessibility or LGBTQ plus a rights you have uh you have these intersections like uh, it's just such a great word for it because it it means that you have all that much more things to do just to get where you're going they're like they're like
0: pressure points yeah extreme pressure points where things there's like a build-up of many things
1: right and so when you have uh for example uh a, a community builder who's um you know, of African diaspora and also uh, trans. You know, maybe they have a lot of difficulty uh, just because of that. Let alone the fact that what we're trying to do is hard work. You know, that's what it means to be at a kind of an intersection of of oppression because it's really so many different things now trying to hold uh, individuals back from realizing their dreams. And so, for me to kind of speak about it. Um, I'm I'm very hesitant in a way because I've, I've really been given so much privilege and ability to do this work and to be heard for doing the little that I've done in comparison to the amount of energy and effort that's spent by people whose voices are not being unheard on this radio. So I really want to shout out to those nameless uh, souls who are doing this every day and don't get the privilege of being on the radio because they're doing it because they have to and they are living more closer to the margins more closer to one day away from catastrophic failure one day away from uh, a, a great deal of difficulty and burden just to just for the necessities so as much as i love to talk about how permaculture can help us thrive and can help us find solutions to global problems first we have to acknowledge what those problems are and what what's really holding back the tide of folks who want to do this work, who are so far beyond interested, they've been dying to do this work.
0: And that's the interesting, I think, tidbit for me when it comes to permaculture, is that uh, in order for all of us to unite and begin to do this work on a grander scale,
1: Mm.
0: we all need to first be able to express our individuality in a safe space. And it's like, if we can't even do that, how the hell are we going to unite to work on sustainable initiatives like growing sustainable food or to building sustainable properties? We can't even do that if, if there's people that are not even feeling safe to just be who they want to be. And so it seems like a pretty natural thing that it's, it's a, it's a great area of concern and, and work that's being done. Exactly. Because even for me, like, being in the field of marketing and then also being in, in another field of, of intuitive counseling and all these things, like, my goal is to help people to realize their highest potential by being able to express who they are and discover their life purpose. And, esen- yeah, essentially they can't do that, you know, if, again, they're a part of these marginalized groups that can't even express themselves. Mm. It just seems that a, a lot of people on this planet are are having... Uh privileges and opportunities ripped from them, which inhibit them from being able to realize their purpose and realize their fullest potential. and I think that that's really unfair and for the for the level that we're at as a civilization, it seems like kind of strange that we're still in this kind of a situation. It's like haven't we learned enough to move past this? Like we can go to space, but yet we can't we can't even express our own individuality still like how does that make sense? Something seems really wrong about that. But uh, going back into racism and mm-hmm. all these things, l- I want to get back into, or s- sorry, go deep into privilege, mm. white privilege. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is something that I had to like wrap my mind around over the past year. Actually, a friend of mine like two years ago was a white dude who actually introduced me into white pri- the term white privilege. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's clear that a lot of uh, ethnic communities understand, you know, that, people who are of white skin have privileges that we don't but we didn't necessarily use the term white privilege so in uh, you know a short period of time we have like about like 10 minutes left Um, what
2: is white privilege
1: Mm. I think again this is something maybe even better answered by uh, someone else but my my definition of white privilege is um, not having any difficulty finding an apartment not having uh, ever failed at a job interview after coming in, despite having left an incredible impression on the phone. Uh, white privilege is not having to experience racism on a daily basis. You know, I, I feel that in the conversation about privilege, it's made plain by describing the fact that every single person, regardless of race and anything else color does have some kind of privilege you know it's just that when we're stru- our, when our structure our society sorry is structured in such a way that uh, you know certain lighter colored skin people are given uh, the benefit of the doubt when other people who are darker skinned are not for no other reason than the skin itself you know, that's when we're dealing with what what white privilege is. It's having so many more doors open for for white-skinned individuals such as myself. And and in saying that, all people have privilege. That might also sound a, a bit strange, but it's just say, suggesting that you know we are we are all um, we all have a part to play in different solutions. So I find that speaking about racism for me is saying this is white work this is work that is on our shoulders Um, those people who have benefited and who do benefit from white privilege have the energy have the spaces have the resources have the ability to have these conversations in such a way that doesn't necessarily tax um, people of color black people african people indigenous people any non-white person it doesn't tax them or take them away from their children or the other people that need them or even their own self-care you know we should be able to do this work without constantly demanding other people provide all the answers and provide all the solutions it means that we need to be less lazy and we also need to acknowledge the systems that we're working in and who we're working for
0: and it only seems fair since you know Colonialism, you know, did what it did to the planet. And before that, post-colonialism, I think they're already doing bad things to the planet and to other cultures. It seems only fair that since they've, you know, had the the one-up on everybody else and had this great advantage that they should be the ones to, to, you know, shoulder this burden. Mm. At least in the beginning. Because they have everything set in place for them to do that work Mm. and do it safely and comfortably. Whereas other communities don't. They don't have that same privilege
1: and that said it can be a very difficult conversation when someone who's listening might uh, be white but may not benefit as much uh, from the normal things we think about as a white privilege coming with which is money and education access and, and access and all these things there are absolutely white people who do not have those kinds of privileges however the, the conversation then is, well, what privileges do you have still? Even as a poor person, as someone who struggled every day growing up, you still might have privileges that someone else doesn't have. So in the ability to step outside of ourselves for a moment and look at our current situation and simply acknowledge what it is that we've been given what it is that we've been blessed with, all people can benefit from this exercise even you know people who are not white they they can still benefit from the exercise i think of uh looking at what privileges they've been given and what blessings they have and you know and and the resources at hand you know any anyone in in america who's listening you know, has the benefit of, of being a part of a rich country that has uh, laws, some laws still, I think, left that are protecting them and that are looking out for their best interest um, and uh, and and good, valuable systems. And, you know, and the and the, the the ability to speak up against some of the systems that are not valuable and not working for them, you know, whereas other people don't have those kinds of privileges. So privilege is a conversation that has to be had at the level of race because racism exists today. However, it's not simply a conversation about race. It's also a, con- a conversation about many different things from classism to ageism to uh, ableism, everyism.
0: Mm -hmm. So, again, some people were were just tuning in, and they're aware that the conversations around permaculture, they're probably thinking, like, what does that have to do with racism? What does that have to do with all these other things? And it has something to do with it, because this concept of permaculture extends into different intersections, different areas. I would say, for me, from how I've grown to understand uh, permaculture... Is that the center is still mostly around ecology and sustainability and you know everything green as a foundation because we need a healthy planet to build anything else and and to experience this reality in a, in a fun way and then everything else kind of extends out to there so um, what are the other areas that your community associates with permaculture besides like the social work, mm. what, are the, what are the other um, intersections?
1: Well, I think the if I, if I could say that a lot of, even the social work itself really breaks down into a lot of different areas because, again, we're dealing with a lividity a way of life. So if you imagine permaculture not just as a community that hangs out on the weekends but something that people are doing every day in their homes all the time and it's a way of restructuring every aspect of the way that we live, it permeates, pardon the pun, Yay. every aspect of our lives. So, everything from the justice system, the governance, to uh, jails, to schools, hospitals, uh, the way that we heal our bodies right now. You know, I'm sure there's other people on this station who are talking about big pharma and the uh, commercialization of medicine and really dividing access to medicine between rich and poor uh, and a lot of these kinds of things that are especially happening outside of Canada in Canada here we're uh, very fortunate enough to have a kind of super Obamacare that is national oh, national health care uh, that works for every one of us uh, that we can go to the hospital and get a, a broken bone mended without you know selling our car.
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, Unbelievable. I can't... St- I still... It's hard for me to fathom that the United States... This great United States of America still can't even provide its own people with bloody health care. It's like, what the heck is up with that?
1: Well, they're working on it. They're working on it. But... Um, well, good they, luck
0: they, dealing with that with Trump land. They could, they,
1: <laughs> they could learn a few things from from Canada in that... Maybe in that one respect.
0: If only. If only they would take
1: notes. Uh, but even then, here in Canada, our system is def- definitely in need of... of fairly radical reform from the root. Uh, well, that's what radical means. It's looking at all the systems uh, from the ground up and integrating things um, that have been intentionally removed even from our system, like naturopathy and massage and different uh, alternative modes of healing. Mm-hmm. I think these all flow into permaculture as well. I mean, permaculture, yes, we do think of farming, but you, you know, even within that... You have herbs, and you have medicinal herbs, and then there's the whole conversation now in Canada around cannabis and medical marijuana and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, it seems like like permaculture like handles all aspects of like it's like okay, we have the farmer, and then we have the food that the farmer creates, and then we have the things that the farmer needs to sustain the farm. Where do those things come from? You know, where the resources that are used to make those tools. And what is the farmer using to stay healthy? Where are those resources coming from? And it's like going deeper and deeper and deeper into all these details. And it's, it definitely drives people to take more responsibility and to become uh, better, I guess, critical thinkers and more robust with all, with all these things.
1: If I could just say, uh, just in the final few moments here, it would be great to maybe have uh, to do this again and really break down permaculture into the twelve different principles that make it up as a design philosophy.
0: Yes, definitely. We're gonna have you back on for another show, but before that, we have a lot. Last couple seconds here. Where uh, can people go online to learn more about your community's version of permaculture? Uh,
1: great. So uh, check us out on our website modernvillage.org. Uh, we are on Facebook as Permaculture GTA. We have a group and a page there. And on Twitter, we have the Permaculture GTA Twitter as well as my mentor uh, Chief Coker at Our Chief Coker.
0: Awesome. Well, that brings us to the bottom of this hour and the end of this program. Uh, thank you so much for, for all those who tuned in. I hope that you're able to take something away from this conversation that can better your life in, in some way. And, you know, just another aside, you know, we're in 2019. This is the beginning of a whole new adventure, a whole new journey. And again, like I was saying, when I came back from the break, you know, we have this unique opportunity to pioneer a new way of life on this planet. So it's not really about following leaders anymore. It's about becoming your own leader and, you know, grabbing your own torch and running with it. And, you know, living in your own authenticity and uh, just being yourself and being happy like you know we're like we've we've suffered a lot as a, as a as a collective and i think it's about time that we start to thrive and help in help each other more and be more supportive with each other and more compassionate with each other and you know bring some more positivity and love onto this planet so i will see you all back here uh if not next thursday i might be still be away uh on uh other country on a trip But uh, on the next episode of Beyond the Veil, we're going to dive deeper into permaculture. And it's going to be interesting. So if you want to send me a message on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook with questions to ask Spirit about permaculture, please feel free to do so. And we'll get your questions answered. So until then, I wish you all the best. Lots of love, lots of light, and, you know, courage to go out there and just be you and do what you do. So... Until next time, I'll see you all back here and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye now.